Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey, 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 before we dive into today's podcast episode, I wanted to let you know that I wrote a book. Yes, a real life actual book that will be available in stores and online on March 23rd, 2021. It's called The Gift of Self-Love, and it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. You can pre-order the book now by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and it'll be delivered to you on March 23rd, which is the official publication date. So depending on where you order from, it should arrive somewhere around that time. I have been working on this book for over a year, compiling everything that I've learned and everything I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is that this book is a combination of not only me sharing my journey, but also it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So there are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, go pre-order it now by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. And by pre-ordering, you'll also get free access to my next online retreat. So this is my way of saying thank you so much for your early support on this book. And I can't wait to see you, hang out with you, and do a workshop together at my next online retreat. So you can find all the pre-order links to order the book and all the information for the online retreat at maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools that I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, maryscupoftea.com slash book. Go pre-order it today and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast. I am here with my best friend, Dolly Durdley. Hey, dolls, what's good? Everything's good. Everything's good. There's nothing that's not good, you know? I got on a therapy session a couple weeks ago, and I was like, hey, what's good? And my therapist was so like stumped up. She's like, what's good? Okay, let me think about this. And she started thinking really, really hard. (laughs) And I was like, Nina, it's just something people say. And she's like, you know, no, but I think it's a great question to ask my clients because then you're forced to think of what's good. And I'm like, I guess. (laughs) Right. Well, I think today it's really easy for things to not be good. So to have that prompt to you know, ask about that positivity helps people reset, I think, which is good. Yeah. And hopefully it's a different way to approach like, how are you? Because, you know, when you say that, you kind of get the generic. Good. How are you? Oh, my God. How are you? Oh, that's great. Cool. Bye. See you later. It's like, I'm never going to see you again. Literally, I will never see you again. Yeah, let's keep in touch. (laughs) <laughs> by keep in touch, I mean, if I think about you a couple months from now in a conversation, I'll stalk you on Facebook, but I'm not actually going to talk to you. Yeah, but that's about it. I might double tap one of your pictures if you're lucky. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you and I, we have a long distance friendship and pretty much most of our friendship has been long distance because even when you did live in Arizona, we lived like quite a bit away from each other. What do you think like keeps us connected? Honestly, I think what 
keeps us connected is our thirst for authenticity. Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound mm-hmm. like such a catch term? <laughs> but no, honestly, I think like, you know, we've all had this year to think about what we want to let go and what we want to keep. And I don't know, I think you and I have just always been able to keep it real. And I don't know, we're both busy entrepreneurs. And I think we just don't really have a lot of time for BS. We like to keep it real. And so with each other, we always keep it real. And it's a good touch point to stay connected with someone who knows you so well. And I don't know, we just have a lot in common. Yeah, I feel that. I'm glad that I was in the keep pile (laughs) for you. I'm definitely keeping you. (laughs) I think that like, well, the thing about you is that you have really strong boundaries and you've taught me a lot about boundaries. And because of that, as a friend, it's very liberating to me because I know that you're always going to tell me what's up. I know that you're always going to like, like if I text you, I love when you do this, by the way, I tell all my other friends to do this. If I text you and you're like not in headspace to talk or you're like really busy or you know, like, you know, you might ignore me for a while, you'll be like, Hey, I'm in a such and such place, whether it's like a bad place or a busy place or whatever it may be. I'm not in the capacity to talk, but I'll call you in a week. And then you like follow through on that always. And like the fact that you give me the time span, like I think as somebody who I do get pretty attached to people, it's like so liberating to me to get that confirmation that, Oh, Dolly's not mad at me. She's just doing her thing. She's just going through it and whatever. And she'll reach out if and when she's ready, you know? And Yeah, that to me has made our friendship, I feel like so much more like authentic, we can pick up from wherever we left off, like, there's never any unanswered questions or like, you know, I've I've secretly always thought like, Oh, what if what if somebody doesn't like me, and they're just pretending and I never feel that way with you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, we, we keep it real. And, you know, I think we just we keep each other accountable for a lot of things, too, which is good. That is very true. Can I tell you the one time you kept me really accountable? Yes. Yeah. Speaking of boundaries, well, remember when I was looking for a therapist, this was exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I called you and I was like, Dolly, I don't know. This therapist says she's only available like Monday, Wednesday, Friday between such and such hours. And I didn't like that because that felt very like rigid to me. And I don't know if I can accommodate to our schedule, blah, blah, blah. And Dolly's like, <laughs> you're like, it sounds like she has some really strong boundaries and that's somehow triggering you. Ah, remember this conversation? <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. It was true. And it was exactly what I needed. Even though I didn't end up like working with that therapist, I feel like that was still a breakthrough. Just that experience alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, boundaries are such a big thing in all relationships, but even like, honoring other people's I can understand that and it's not that you don't want to honor someone's boundaries but I don't know like I live by myself and I'm a single woman and I own my own business and I'm kind of like all the gears to that so I'm kind of used to steering the ship and being like go 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 and this is when we're doing this and kind of being the top boss bitch and so sometimes I think that people acquiesce to me I don't want to say that people are scared of me but they're like oh here's this like boss lady coming through that knows what she wants. I'm just gonna like go along. So I've had to catch myself. So it's I'm not saying you're exactly like me. But boundary checks. I know that like, when I feel like I might have bypassed someone's boundaries, I always have this moment of like, I I feel very small. And I'm like, Oh, shoot. Uh, Whoops. Sorry. Uh." But then I get over it. It's fine. 
Yeah, I, I feel that too. I think for me, it's like a lot of it's like emotional boundaries. You know, like I never want to feel like I'm dumping on someone. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot that a lot of our friendships turn into like therapy sessions. <laughs> and you said that like the first time we met, right? And I, you know, especially since you said that I want to always be conscious that I'm not treating my friends like this ongoing like emotional punching bag or a therapist or, you know, always asking for something or like taking, you know, as opposed to just like being there for them. Right. Yeah. It's easy. It can go both ways, right? Like you can get in the habit of being like, oh my gosh, I, you would not believe what happened. And like, sometimes you can hold that space for people. And then sometimes maybe it's like in a fun way, but if it's too much, if that's all the time, that's not a relationship. That's a, that's a dumping problem. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa too. I like you also can't always be giving and holding space for someone all the time where they're not like reciprocating that back to you that that's not like a reciprocal energy flow yeah yeah for sure that's a one-way thing Mm -hmm. reciprocal love that word so much that's a great word we learned it it is a great word we learned it in like calculus right but I feel like oh girl I did not say calculus but I know you did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like you just spilt my biggest secret was that I'm kind of a math geek I don't think anybody knows that about me (laughs) um well they should you guys like there's so much I mean obviously you all y'all know a lot about Mary because she shares a lot of her life on her Instagram but yes she's a big mathy because she's got that economy major Mm -hmm. just graduated last year yeah, yep. Graduated last year in economics. Love me some good integral problems. <laughs> Let's get some macro and minor. What is it? Macro and micro. Micro, micro. Macro. I like micro better than macro. Although I feel like more recently I'm enjoying macro because it's directly applicable because it's it is so much of it is political. But micro is cool because it's like so individual and like intricate. And I, I like that. Like I like anything that goes like really, really nuanced. And I almost like the image that I'm seeing in my head right now, you can even see my hands on the video is I feel like I'm performing a surgery. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, whether it's like emotional or like practical or whatever, I like to get a little deeper. So anyways, we just had this whole conversation about boundaries and our friendship and everything. We're nine minutes in. We didn't even get to the, I didn't even get to finish the intro. (laughs) So this is me. (laughs) This is me finishing the intro that today I wanted to do something a little different. I asked my best friend Dolly to interview me because it's kind of hard to get like an interview of me on my own podcast because usually I'm either the interviewer or I'm on somebody else's podcast. And you know, it's usually more tailored towards their audience and what they want me to talk about and everything. So I thought it would be interesting to do something a little bit more personal, a little more just, I guess, really fun. Like I want this to be really fun where um, people can get to know me, get to know my best friends. My boyfriend also brought up that he said that he likes listening to these kinds of episodes because you get to know the person through the eyes of their closest people, which is interesting. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> Santa Claus. He's so nice. <laughs> Dolly calls my boyfriend Santa Claus because his name is Stan. So, <laughs> And he's so giving. And I know that you guys are Jewish and stuff, but still it's fun. It's fine. <laughs> we're happy to be <laughs> 
Oh man. No, I'm, I was really glad that you asked me to do this. Cause I, I don't know. I just love you so much and you are very um, authentic in how you present yourself on your podcast. But yeah, I think it's true. Like you just know people in a different capacity, right? Like we've been in the trenches together. Like we've been on road trips. We've cried a lot. We've laughed a lot. We've hung out. We've eat, you know, eaten out at restaurants. We've met each other's friends. You know, we've been friends for years. We've had like very strange life situations happen and been there for each other. And I think like, you know, I, I do see you through different eyes and I'm very honored that I get to. Mm, I and then you. I can kind of share that with your people. Yeah, I love you too. I <laughs> love you. Um, so I sent you like a few screenshots of questions that some of my followers have sent in. So um, we can use any of those as like conversation starters. But, you know, I also want it to be super organic and going with the flowy. Just like, you know, we're hanging out. It's also so nice to connect, girl. Like, so Dolly used to live in Phoenix and you just moved to Minnesota. That's been, it sucks not being as close to you, but we're so great at upkeep and keeping in touch. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you really want something, you'll make it happen. And that includes relationships with people. Like if you want to continue cultivating a relationship with someone, you will. And if you don't, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with that other person. It just means maybe it's not the time or maybe it's not the space, but I always have space for you. So. Mm love you and I love can I also say <laughs> when I posted I posted one of our screenshots of our text exchange remember when I texted you when I was in Israel when I just got news that I'm getting my book published and like the contract yeah and so Dolly talks in all caps like whenever we text it's like all caps and somebody replied to my Instagram story and they were like are they even your best friend if you don't communicate in all caps <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like thanks <laughs> you know, here's the scoop. Like, just so people know, I am a formally educated. I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. I'm getting a certificate in UX UI design. I have written many research proposals and a thesis and all that kind of stuff. I know how to write. I just, for communication's sake, caps locks means excitement. And you guys can probably tell in how I talk. I mean, Mary is also an animated talker. But like, I if I'm excited, like I sound like I talk in caps lock. Like that's just what I am. And then normal <laughs> conversations is all lowercase. I even reflect that in some of my posts, you know, like that's just how it is. But yeah, so uh, can we talk about your book for a second? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Or a, a couple hot minutes. Okay, you guys, I have to tell you this. So when I met Mary years ago, how long was that now? Like, 2018? Yeah, I want to say like a solid three years ago. Yeah, it yeah. was at least three years ago. And uh, how many followers did you have when we first met? Gosh, we met. I remember I just got home from Bali and I slid in your DMs. That's another story. But I probably had like maybe 60,000. Yes. So you have grown, I would say, exponentially by then. But mm. I remember you talking about writing your different like worksheets and workbooks. Cause I think, did you write them on Canva or something or like, <laughs> yeah, 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 straight up. Yeah. yeah I, I was like, no, I remember telling you, I'm like, I know I should put it in a Google doc so that I can save it because you know, Canva isn't really meant to be like a writing kind of thing. It's more like uh, graphic design, right? But something about the like low pressure of Canva and the fact that I could just, I don't know. 
just something about like the mix of design and whatever. I ended up writing a lot in Canva <laughs> out of all things. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And you had all these like great, I think some were freebies and then some was, you know, you were selling like smaller eBooks mm-hmm. to people. And that's where you really got your taste of like, Ooh, what if I turn this into a real book? And you've always talked about it. And then it went from, you know, you just kind of put yourself out there and tried through the eBooks and people got a feel for that and had a really great response. And then you put yourself out there again, right? And then you were like, hey, this is what I've been working on. Here's, you know, how people have received it. And then people like the publisher bit. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever really looked at publishing your own books, but a lot of times people will self-publish because getting picked up by a publisher is not easy. It's not just about how you write, but it's about what you're writing and the response, especially if you're someone like Mary, you know, you're getting all this like good feedback. Like they want to know, they don't want to invest in someone that people don't find value in. And y'all find value in Mary. And like these publishers saw that. And I just remember like the whole journey of this being like very revealing for you. Right, Mary? Because it's like, Mm -hmm. am I good enough? Am I not? Like, do I have the juice for this? Like, what is this life even going to be? And so it's really been interesting seeing you through this whole process of like um, the ideation, the hopes, and then getting picked up and the whole writing process and the editing and then to actually have it finally manifest into a physical book. I mean, if there's that's so inspiring to me because yeah, it's right there. You guys can't see it, but she's looking, she's holding <laughs> a physical copy of her book. And just years ago, just a couple years ago, it just started as her putting her thoughts out there on Instagram and just a couple typed words on Canva. And now it is a picked up published book just a couple years later, which is fucking phenomenal. Sorry, guys, I swear a lot. I'll try not to because I know this is like a podcast, but. No, swear, swear. Anyway, we love. Oh my God, it's for like a sailor. I don't know if that's like discriminatory against sailors, (laughs) but um, I yeah, you know, I don't think so. I'm sure they won't be offended. (laughs) I'm sure they would be flattered. Oh, good. Well, you know, sailors are cool. Okay, well, I think there might be a question in regards to your your book amongst all of these questions, actually, and maybe I can't find it. There's so many questions, y'all. Just like. Y'all want to know a lot about Mary, which is cool, but there's a lot of questions in here. <laughs> oh my God. But since we're talking about your book, let's talk about something juicy. Cause we could say like, oh, what was your process? And like, what scared you the most? We could ask those, but I, I kind of feel like let's get juicy. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get juicy. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know, was there any point in the process, like when you were waiting to get published, that I guess, what was your biggest fear around that time? Oh, yeah, I just asked a question that I didn't think was that juicy. But let's talk about fear. When you were like submitting your book to get published, and before the publisher was like, yes, we want to publish it. Like, what were you thinking? What were your physical? How are you feeling physically? What were you thinking mentally? What was that journey like for you? Mm quick aside because I just got to tell you this I love how excited you make me like you know when you're like a little kid and you're like really excited you're like literally bouncing that's how I am right now <laughs> I'm like just talking to you gets me really pumped up inside yeah it's the caps lock vibe it's the caps lock vibe I swear to god if your tombstone isn't in caps lock I'm gonna call in and get a new one in caps lock 
Well, okay, you don't have to worry about that because I, somehow I'm going to make it happen. This is a very big side note. I would love to have like a funeral pyre on the water, Viking style, put a bunch of like me on like a wooden raft with some fruit and some flowers. I want to wear some <laughs> some Gucci and I want to be dripping in fake diamonds because I don't necessarily, you know, it's just for the shine. And then I would like to be set on fire on the ocean. I will literally do that for you personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but maybe like we can have a plane fly over with a flag in caps lock. Yeah. Yeah. Something. We could totally do a blimp. Easy. Easy peasy. Yeah. Yeah. I could also send something out something like, yeah, I can send, exactly. And I can send out invitations and caps lock. Like it'll be a theme. Um, love it. Thank you for clarifying. I didn't want to get that wrong for you. <laughs> No, it's okay. Or I could say something like, bye, caps bye, lock, tons of exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> but I love to spell bitch without the T. I feel like it softens mm. it and creates the atmosphere of friendliness without the T. You do the SH though, no? Bish? Yeah. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Bish. It could be b- bitch or bish, but I feel like without the T, it's a little less harsh. I don't know why I just made that up. Please feel free to disagree with me. But, uh. <laughs> um, I guess in your stories, if you're very passionate about it, <laughs> give us a little spiel. Um, okay. That's hilarious. So book writing, biggest fears. Well, okay. So I like never expected to publish a book. I knew I would write a book and like, you know, maybe put it up for sale on my website or whatever. And I had an ebook that I did that. And then Stan was like, well, babe, you can just like print it on your own because a lot of people are requesting physical copies and rightfully so because it's a workbook. And that's exactly how I've done so much of my work is I never wanted people to feel like I'm just talking at them or giving them advice for many reasons. One is, of course, you get so much more out of things when you put pen to paper. But also, you know, I have this thing where I'm like, I'm 23 years old. I was 21 at the time. Like, I feel like if I were to write something that's like, this is what you're supposed to do in order to... (laughs) have a positive body image or find more self-love or heal from heartbreak. It's like, bitch, what do you know? And I'm that's not to say like I'm minimizing myself for being young because I know I can teach so much, but I wanted to find that like medium point, that sweet spot balance between, okay, how can I like share what I do know and also make it work very individually and very practically and, you know, help people apply it. And my first biggest thing was retreats and that capacity. And again, the thing about, you know, coaching or facilitating or book writing or, or, you know, retreats or this kind of work is a lot of people think like you have to know a lot of things and give really good advice. And that's actually the farthest thing from the truth. If you try to give advice, you're probably going to end up being a really bad coach and a really bad leader because the key is to help people find their own answers. Mm. That's an Oprah aha moment, girl. <laughs> oh my like, God. Mm. You got the mm down. You do it exactly like her. <laughs> I love it. And the only way to do that really is, you know, to facilitate a powerful workshop experience or a coaching session or just a conversation is to ask great questions and have really good exercises. And that's where, you know, the whole workbook model and in a way, like my book, even my very, very first. 70 page ebook was like that retreat model where I'm like, okay, like what would we do at a workshop at a retreat? And you've been to my retreat, you've photographed my retreat, you've participated in some of the exercises. And a lot of it is questions and 
that kind of self-exploration. And it has nothing to do with me getting up on stage and giving a speech. And even on my TED Talk, like again, the thing that was most important for me is to do some kind of exercise real time on stage that would make people feel immediate relief and something that they could take away and use after the fact too. And so that's the problem I kind of have with like motivational speaking because I love public speaking. But I don't know what a better word would be for motivational speaker when what I really, really try to do and where my heart's at is maybe like more motivational facilitating, you know, because that's a different beast. It's a different art form. Mm -hmm. So why do you feel so passionate about motivating and facilitating these questions for others? Like where in your life do you feel like people did that for you? Or it, does that come from a lack of someone doing that for you? And then you want to give it to other people? Oh my gosh, is this too juicy? Is it too juicy? This is so juicy. Oh, okay. No, I got chills. This is like perfect juicy level. Like, mm, yeah, because this is stuff we would be talking about if we weren't recording. I mean, yeah, knowing us, <laughs> probably. But I feel like we're getting like some next level vibes because of the, the recording. I love mm-hmm. it. Hmm. I think that for me, well, my background is in life coaching. And I have done a lot of leadership trainings and seminars and like events and stuff. And you know, a good facilitator, like, you know, when somebody's really making you create change. And so I just started getting really into it really, really early when I was like 17. And, you know, we all like to do what we're good at. And I definitely wasn't like good at it from the start. But I don't even know how to answer that. I don't know, maybe I think, okay, here's the thing. I've mentioned this on a different podcast episode. I have noticed that my biggest breakthroughs always come from a conversation, somebody asking me a question such as this. And I don't have one of those, I almost died. And then I realized the importance of my life kind of moments that so many motivational speakers cling on to, right? Like if you listen to these motivational talks on YouTube, most of the people are like, I had this near death experience. And then I realized the meaning of life and I wanted to make the most of it and love that great, amazing. But that's never how it was for me. Like, I've had some shit, but it was never like near death, like dramatic rock bottom moments. It was usually like, somebody asked me something or a lot of the stories that I read about in the book are, you know, somebody randomly just said something to me in passing that was so fucking basic to them, but really, really struck a chord with me. And so I guess that's, maybe that's where it comes from, is I just really enjoy conversation and connection and like where that can lead to on a more deeper level. I don't know if that's too esoteric or if that answers it, but. I mean, like, I think we, as humans, we do things that benefit us in some way. So by you helping people that benefits you in some way, like it, either fulfills like some kind of energetic cup of yours or, you know, universal purpose cup. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I really love like, I love being witness to transformation. I know that sounds so fucking out there, but I just love seeing that aha moment. And I'm obsessed with it in like little moments and small moments. I love when I say something and Stan will be like, wow, babe, I never thought about it that way. Like that shit is music to my ears. Or when I'm hosting a retreat and somebody's like, you know what? I just realized, you know, for the past 10 years, I've been holding this back and now and blah, blah, blah. Like I just love witnessing transformation. It is, I just, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. And I feel like there's 
there's nothing, nothing like it. Well, so the book, (laughs) going back to that in a very clunky segue, is that I knew I wanted to get this book published because I knew I wouldn't be able to do the distribution aspect of it alone. So Stan suggested that I could, you know, print my own book and just mail copies from the house. And, you know, he's like, worst case scenario, you can hire an employee or pay your sister to pack orders or whatever. Llama would be the best to draw <laughs> llama on every single box for all y'all. Yeah. Fun fact, she helps me package a lot of like retreat boxes because I'll send out little gift boxes. Like she loves it and she's so good at it. She'll spread everything out on the living room floor and then put sticky notes on everybody's addresses with their names and everything. We got it down to a system. But yeah, she would be great at it. But I, I just knew it wouldn't have the same kind of impact because it would probably burn me out. I don't know what the profit margin would look like, but you know, shipping and distributing and illustrating. I was like, gosh, I just... I was so used to doing things alone that I knew this was one thing I didn't want to do alone and that I was happy to take a very, very big pay cut because unfortunately, authors don't make much money, but at least have the message out there in such an affordable and accessible way. So yeah, it was just kind of like on the forefront of my mind. And I emailed my publisher and you know, I didn't have a full on manuscript, but I did have that 70 page guide that was called the body confidence guide. And that ended up being a starting point for part two of the book, because the way the book is structured is part one is called loving yourself. Part two is about loving your body. And part three is about bringing it all together and bringing it out into the world. And yeah, so the body confidence guide was kind of the starting point for part two. So I did have stuff written. I had enough to where publishers like, okay, this girl can write. She's for real. And also that book was selling like hotcakes, that ebook. So they're like, okay, maybe people want it. And you know, I reached out to a smaller publisher, Blue Star Press, like, love them to death. The experience has been incredible working with them. And I think it was also really aligned because they specialize in like creative books like that, like they do coloring books and, you know, scripture books and workbooks and, you know, those kinds of more interactive things. And they work with a lot of like, creators, not necessarily novelists, or, you know, nonfiction writers. So it just ended up being really aligned with me and that publisher and pretty divine that it was it was the first publisher I reached out to and then this happened (laughs) so okay going back to the original question so during that that process where you were like you know submitting it and not really sure what they would say like what kind of fears if you had any were you going through or what were you feeling during that time when you were waiting to hear back from them Mm, waiting to hear back was a process The the first email was just like shot in the dark this is never ever gonna fucking happen but my mom has always taught me you know as cliche as it is like the worst they can say is no and my mom would like drill that into my head growing up and the reason why she drilled that into my head is because my mom didn't speak english and so she would make me ask people at the grocery store where stuff was <laughs> and so she really trained me to just ask like ask for what you want just ask 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 um so i sent that first email and then i went through interviews i interviewed with like three different people on their team that went from like i think their you know first administrative person and then the editor and then the assistant editor the assistant editor and the main editor and before they decided to bring me on. And oh my goodness, <laughs> that was nuts. Every single interview, like it's just this weird mix between excitement and nerves. And did I say anything wrong? Granted, I've never really worked a corporate job. Like 
the jobs that I have had, I haven't really had to like interview or an interview process like this, where it's like three different interviews. So every one, every time you're like, okay, I think that went good. Or maybe I really fucked it up. It's one or the other and nowhere in between. <laughs> and so that was, you know, it was exciting. And then when I texted you from Israel, they're actually really good about just kind of keeping me in the loop. And they were like, Hey, we really want to work with you. Just so you know, we'll have the contract out by Monday after the holidays. That was like what they, they sent me. And so that's when I received like a yes. And then once I received the contract, it was like, I think the biggest thing going through my mind is like, Oh, fuck, I'm really doing this. Yeah, I, I remember you freaking the fuck out on the phone. I was freaking the fuck out because I was like, well, also when you're writing a book, not that your life gets put on hold, but your life kind of gets put on hold. And up until that point, my lifestyle was very much about juggling school and work and retreats. And I was always traveling and I was living with my parents, but then half the time I was living with my boyfriend and then coming home to see my sister. So my sister wouldn't know that I was spending the night at my boyfriend's house because she was younger then. And then my school was like an hour and a half. And so my whole lifestyle was just like bouncing around all the time, like didn't really have a home you know, borrowing whosoever car was available, traveling when I needed to, whatever. And I think signing the contract for the book, it was like, this is like what I'm doing at least for the next six months. And I needed that consistency of like going into my office and writing. And yeah, I hope everybody gets a chance to do some sort of long form structured writing in their life. Because what was it like for you writing your thesis? Because I remember you telling me about 5am at Starbucks. Oh my God. (laughs) I like... I think everybody's writing process is so different. And actually, right now I'm going through it because I, I'm like a finalist for this photographer's like art competition thing in Minneapolis. And it, yes. And so it takes me a couple rounds, right? Like the first round is absolute garbage. It's probably, it's full of not even full sentences. It's all of the ideas in my head. And I just basically word vomit on Google Docs. And then I will take a break and I have to physically step away from it because I'm so in it that I can't see anything but like a mess in front of me. So I have to go to bed. And then usually I try to do all of it very early in the morning because my head is clear. I don't have all this other garbage from the rest of the day bogging me down like, oh, I got a weird text from this dude or like, oh, 5 million people want things from me. It's like because I'm, I'm tired, but I'm awake. I can only focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So that's why writing and reading in the morning are really good for me. So I'll, I'll puke everything out in Google Docs one day. Sleep on it, kind of step away from it. The next day I'll come back. And then I might copy and paste sentences and kind of put them like things in paragraphs that kind of make sense together. Then I'll step away. Then the third day, I go through the paragraphs. I kind of sequence them to see what, you know, maybe I need to like place things before or after. And then the fourth step for me is I go through and then I write it so that it's actual full sentences, cohesive, sleep on it again. I might sleep on it for like a couple days. And then I'll come back to it and put on the finishing zhuzh, the touches. Mm-hmm. See, if I were to go back, I would do it your way because you do it very much vertically. Yes. Like you're like, I'm going to go through everything, finish, and then come back and go through it again, add, adjust, move around, finish, and then come back again, right? Like I was writing this book. It was very much horizontal. Like it was very much like section by section. 
And that ended up being a bitch in the editing process because, well, one, a lot of sections had to be moved around because like you said, I mean, I wish I did that a little bit more earlier. A lot of stuff had to be like removed completely and rewritten completely because it it just wasn't cohesive, right? Like if I would were to go all the way down, make sure it was cohesive and then fill in the gaps. Like I feel like that's exactly what I'm going to do next time is like you. Oh, next time is another book coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I were to write another book. I mean, the, this has been a great book for me where I'm at because it is a workbook. It is broken down into sections. It's not a novel. You know, I didn't have to like make it this poetic, you know, incredibly, you know, like the storyline situation, right? That is what I'm most afraid of. And that is probably what I'm going to force myself to do if I ever do write another book. Like if I, if I write another book, it's going to be very much, how do I explain it? Like I'm like very, very challenging in a like creative writing kind of standpoint, if that makes sense. Whereas this book was very much like, I'm getting this message out there if it's the last thing I do, you know, whereas the next one, I feel like I, I hope that I'll have some, I don't know. I hope I'll have some sort of opportunity to, to create some kind of narrative thread you know, and something that's just going to really challenge me academically, I guess, if that makes sense. (laughs) Seems like a lot. What if your book was about, um, what if you made it about like a superhero economist and they were an economist by day and an influencer by night? (laughs) Oh my God. Oh wait, is that like what you are? I don't know. (laughs) Oh my God. Like a superhero. Okay. So we have created my next book proposal. I'm just going to send this podcast over to my publisher and be like, so my friend Dolly decided. (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what we're going to talk about. Economist by day and influencer by night. I feel like I'm, I'm flipped. I'm like influencer by day, economist by night. Cause at night is where I'm like, let me read this research paper on labor uh, labor economics. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you know what? Actually, you do. You grind a lot during the day. You like you sleep in because sometimes not that you sleep in, but you have a hard time sleeping at night. Yeah, because sometimes people just do. Yep. So you sleep and then you wake up. You do your breakfast and mm-hmm. then there's like morning things. Maybe you're walking with Mister Goose. Wait, is that how you say it, Mister Goose? Mister Goose. He is quite sweet in person. His little. His little red eyes. He has allergies, right? He has allergies. He started getting the Cyto Point shot, so it's been better. Oh, damn. I don't even know what that is, but that sounds promising. It is. It's just once a month. It's super quick and easy, and it's really, really helping him. Oh, my gosh. Mary, okay. So I feel like, I don't know if you feel ready, but I feel ready to ask some of these questions from your followers. Okay, are you ready? Ah, I'm ready. Okay. There's so many, you guys. There's so many. Okay. I'm going to jump around because I'm just going to go from screenshot from screenshot. Do you want me to read who the lucky bird is? Yeah. Whose question I'm reading or no? I don't see why not. Okay. So, okay. This is an interesting question to me. Okay. Rihanna Tula asks, how did you know you wanted to make your journey public? Were you ever nervous about sharing it with others? Hmm. To me, like making my journey public was a very empowering thing because 
I've always been an open book. And especially in high school, that backfired so many times. And then in my past relationship, which you know about Dolly, but same thing, it felt like anytime I would share my heart, or I would finally open up to a friend, or, you know, I would just open up a little bit in general, it felt like it always backfired. And I would get things from my ex, like, stop airing out our dirty laundry, or somebody would find out something I didn't want people to find out and the whole school knew and rumors and that kind of shit. And so it was just always something. And I always felt like the problem was with me. I was always like, why can't I just not talk so goddamn much? And then when I started sharing on Instagram, it was kind of this moment of like, no, wait a second. Like now I'm finally like comfortable with all parts of me, even like flaws, so to speak, or even stuff I may be a little bit ashamed of. And, and it just ended up taking away that shame. And I think especially when it came to recovery from binge eating disorder, because it's kind of like the unsexy eating disorder. For me, my binge eating like thrived in secrecy, because secrecy felt like the ammo to the shame. And as soon as I like pulled that away from it, I shit you not, it's probably been the biggest thing that's helped me stop binge eating and just heal and recover in general is because yeah, I feel like eating disorders in general thrive in secrecy, but especially, you know, something like binge eating, it was always late at night, it was always in secret, it was always like, you know, I would I would hide the wrappers under the trash can if I was living with somebody so that way they wouldn't see that I ate whatever I ate, like shit like that. And so, yeah, I think for me it was just very healing and it was very natural and it was never like a do I want to be public because to be honest, I never thought anybody would give a shit. It was just more like for me and you know the friends who followed me. So I was able to like reclaim that part of me that's an open book and actually, you know, be empowered by it instead of feeling crippled by it and like almost targeted because of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, I feel I can relate to that in some of my own smaller ways. Like obviously I am not an influencer uh <laughs> I think by definition, but just having I totally understand just having your own platform to just express yourself just to the world. And it doesn't really matter how many followers you have or who is following you, but just the practice of putting yourself out there. So like last summer, I've been kind of working on my own body journey too. But last summer, I just had really come into my own. And I think that's part of like turning 35. So I'm quite, well, not quite a bit older. Well, kind of like a decade, over a decade older than Mary. <laughs> but um, we have a lot in common. And I was like posting all these pictures. I'm like, oh, I'm by the pool. They're like, mm -hmm. look, I, I'm doing my own like Skims underwear review. Check this out. I mean, it was kind of for people. I always do things to like, I like making people smile, right? So having people comment, but really it was just practicing for myself. Like, hey, guess what? You could post a picture in a swimsuit and literally the only person that cares is you. Mm. Or, you know, oh yeah, like, you feel your book looks great? Okay, like put it out there. And I felt that the practice of doing it online actually translated to how I walk the world IRL in real life, like actually going to the pool. So it's kind of interesting how practicing in one realm of your life can lead into another. So in that small way, I can relate. Yeah, for sure. It's like, well, first of all, it also creates like this positive feedback loop because usually the people who follow you love you. I love watching your Skims underwear reviews. 
I reshare any picture you post of your butt, not only <laughs> with my boyfriend, but also with, <laughs> we're very close. I mean, you've, you've shot us naked. Like you're, you're the only person I think that seems <laughs> naked. Perks of being a photographer, you get to see everybody. in. <laughs> yeah. No, but aside from that, like kind of showing yourself on social media, it's almost like we tend to reject ourselves before anybody else can reject you. And so when you're putting yourself out there in that way, you're like, no, I'm doing the opposite of rejecting myself. I'm embracing myself. And even if somebody does leave a comment or say something or whatever, like it literally doesn't matter because you've already accepted it within yourself. And so, yeah, it becomes liberating and empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why it's really interesting, you know, because there's people online, what do we call them? Like online trolls or something that Mm-hmm. have the hater aid. They got that hater aid flowing through the little fingertips, the little thumbs like tap, 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 saying things. I don't mean just with you, but you know, on other sites and whatever, everybody's a keyboard warrior and has an opinion. And, you know, if you see an account that you don't like, and like, you don't have to follow it. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to see it, don't look at it. If you don't like it, don't say anything, right? Like, especially, you know, if it's content, like someone's posting of themselves, maybe it really isn't for you. Maybe it's for them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a, what a thought. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe not everything is about you. (laughs) It is a novel thought, right? Yeah. No, there's so many, I just, I personally don't get it. I don't understand the psychology behind it. Maybe somebody can educate me, but I have never ever in my life scrolled by somebody's post, whether it was just a friend or a celebrity or an influencer or whoever, and thought, I hate what they're saying so much that I'm going to leave a negative comment that doesn't make sense. And that's just insulting them personally. Granted, I have like been, Hey, I I disagree with this. Or especially if it's a brand like, Hey, um, you guys should apologize for discriminating against whoever, whatever happened, you know, like I'll, I'll stick up for people in that way, but that's criticism. That's not hate, but never in my life have I felt the need to slide into somebody's DMS to tell them how much I hate them. Ever, ever. I don't, I've never even looked at somebody that I hate that much. So I I don't understand the psychology behind it. And because of that, I just keep telling myself that, you know, most people are in a very low place. But you know what really has helped me deal with hate comments lately? Not just hate comments, but like, I don't know, they're not always like, I hate you, you're ugly. A lot of them are like very, I don't know, some people really do get under my skin. Sometimes people are know it alls. Like, I don't know if you know that. I mean, obviously, we want to be educated. But sometimes when people communicate, it's like not necessarily to educate, but it's to it's worded in such a way that it makes you look bad. Like, I can't believe you would say that. Exactly, exactly. And people like twist anything. And it's hilarious. Honestly, it's, it's comical to see what people will pull out of your message, because you could literally have said, like, the exact opposite, and somebody will pull something out from it. But what's given me really peace lately, and at first, boyfriend disagreed with this approach, but he's pretty on board now because of how much better I've been with my relationship to social media, is I if I feel the need to respond, like if I'm like, this person really misunderstood me, and I want them to know that I'm human, and I'm going to go the extra mile. And I know maybe I should just ignore it and move on. But I'm human. Like, that's not how I function. I would literally send them a voice message and be like, Hey, Mary here. 
I don't know if you know, but this really hurt me because, you know, I felt like I've tried my best in this way. And I'm, I'm really sorry that you haven't seen that. And I just wanted you to know that I hope that you give other people the benefit of the doubt. And I wanted to clarify my intentions behind this. And I'm sorry for hurting you and bye. And like, literally, I'll just say what I need to say, like get it off my chest. And I feel so much relief because my biggest fear is being misunderstood. So it's one thing if people like when diet culture people come at me, I'm like, cool, you get me, you disagree with me. Awesome. But at least you like understand what I'm saying. And you just disagree with my approach. Like, that's fine. But when I feel like somebody's misunderstood me, like, I still really feel the need to clarify myself. And maybe it's just like a stepping stone in my personal growing journey. But at this point, it's helped me to respond. And the, the other part that's also been very healing is that most of these people reply and apologize. So far, every single hate comment I've responded to, they'll reply and apologize. And I've, I've gotten crazy shit. Like, you can't make this up. I had one girl be like, I'm so sorry. I smoked too much weed today. And I just was getting triggered by everything. And I took it out on you. And I can't apologize enough, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, bitch. <laughs> but second of all, at least I know. And I've had people be like, you know, I'm, I'm going through a divorce. And I just got really jealous of you and your partner. And I'm like, okay, bitch. But like, at least now I understand. I think it's really easy for people to see you as not a real person. Because even though you, and I'm not just saying you, but I think anything online, right? Like if you've never met someone in real life, even though you're posting like stories and you post pictures of yourself, like there's still that disconnect, right? Like because of your success and it's like Oprah, right? Like we know she's real, but she doesn't feel real. And so I think like when people make those comments, they're so removed from you that they, you know, they just don't think of you as a real person. And I don't say that to be like, you're not real. I mean, obviously, I know you're real. I've, you know, hugged you and traveled with you. But I'm sure when you respond to them personally with a voice note, that strikes them like they realize, oh, my gosh, Mary's a real person. I said this shit to a real person. They're not just being a keyboard warrior to some weird, like abstract idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I hope by me replying, like they think twice about sending that kind of message to some other influencer, because I, I do feel really passionately about it because I just know what a dark place it can send you to. And also, I've just noticed in general, even when it comes with dealing with like really close family members and their criticism, the only, only thing that's actually helped me, I think people's instinct, right? Like, what are we taught? Just ignore them. Be you. Move on. Be better than the haters. Haters are only criticizing because they're below you. I get all that stuff. It's great advice. It's just never helped me because maybe I'm just a little bit more of a sensitive soul. But also, even when it comes to like close people or friends who criticize me or whatever, the only thing that's ever helped is a conversation where we both get to clarify ourselves, you know, and we both get to share a little bit deeper. And, you know, we both get to explain why whatever topic is so important to us and why we feel the way we feel. Like, that's the only thing that's helped me, especially with family members that I strongly disagree with. It's the only thing that's helped me be like, okay, like, we're on totally opposite sides of our beliefs. But at least now I know that you believe this way, not because you're a piece of shit fucking human, but because you have some sort <laughs> of different <laughs> life experience, yeah. you know, or some sort of different perspective or something that maybe I don't understand, but at least I could accept, you know, that that it's this way for you. 
So yeah, again, not everybody deserves so much of your mental energy. And that's something, you know, Stan always reminds me of. He's like, stop giving people your mental and emotional energy that they literally don't deserve it. But sometimes there is a different approach you can take that is just as compassionate. And maybe it might help you find a little more peace. I don't know. Or maybe it's just me. Speaking of Santa Claus, mm-hmm. I think that he should come out with a series of motivational posters. And instead of kittens hanging <laughs> from a branch being like, hang in there, you could have goose hanging from something. <laughs> hang in there. Oh my God. Goose hanging. You know, that boy weighs 90 pounds. <laughs> oh my gosh. His little arms would pull out of the sockets. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. We won't do oh that. Mr. God. Goose. We'll he, yeah. When he lays on the couch, his head like comes off the edge of the couch and he has such big, heavy lips that his lip like hangs over to where like his canine show and it'll be just like drooping like over the couch, like this giant lip. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a cutie. Well, okay. So speaking of Santa Claus, M. Willie writes, why do you call boyfriend boyfriend? Does he call you girlfriend? It's so cute. Love this. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I call boyfriend boyfriend because I think it's funny and cute. When why I started it is because well, one boyfriend has remained anonymous for a very long time up until well, when we're recording, he's still anonymous. But I am planning to post a video with him tomorrow. So by the time you hear this for the podcast, he'll be out there. But whoa. <laughs> Um, so I started calling him boyfriend to kind of like protect his name and identity. And I also read this book that I think, oh my God, this book was just so funny for me. So I read this book when boyfriend had coronavirus for three weeks straight and I was taking care of him the whole time. So obviously we were quarantining and it was such a difficult time because he had it so bad. And the only thing that brought me peace and solace and some sort of joy was this book. I got it on audio and it's called maybe you should talk to somebody, a therapist, her therapist, and their lives revealed. And it's about a therapist in Beverly Hills. And she talks about her breakup. And the first couple chapters where she's talking about her breakup, she refers to her ex-boyfriend as boyfriend, just as a way to like, I don't know, almost like poke fun at the whole situation. So the way she, she talks about these big, heavy topics in a very lighthearted, digestible way. It's a really big book. I loved it on audio. I think it was so funny, but she's a therapist in Beverly Hills. So she sees a lot of movie producers and actors and big directors and people you wouldn't think would have these crazy problems that money cannot solve. (laughs) And she, you know, anonymously shares their stories and just how dark it can get. And at the same time, because of her breakup with boyfriend, she starts seeing her own therapist. And it's just like a really funny dynamic. Highly recommend. So I thought it was really funny in the book. And so I started using it on social media. (laughs) All right. There's the answer. Okay. I want to mix this up with like some really quick fun ones too. Because you're a lot of your followers, they like the deep, deep like us. They're like, they just want to dig in. They want to (laughs) know. I mean, not that this person doesn't want to know, but here's some fun, fun questions. Okay. What's your favorite Skittles flavor if you like Skittles? Ah. I'm so sorry, everybody's gonna hate me, but I'm not a huge candy person. And caveat, I didn't grow up on American candy. Like it's a very foreign thing to me. The candies that we have in Russia and that, you know, we're always around my house are like chocolatey. 
you know, we, we do more of like the chocolatey desserts. We do very like rich kind of stuff. So as far as like, you know, hard candy, things like that, I'm just not used to that stuff. So sorry, can't answer that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Okay. Woo-hoo. Sorry, guys. There's like so many questions. Okay. Do you have ideas on how to find friends as an adult? I know one. You just find them on Instagram. You DM them and say, hey, I'd love to work with you. And then you meet up with them. And then you become friends for years. Like we did. That's what we do. Tell them how I how I actually <laughs> scored you, oh, your friendship. Okay, <laughs> you guys. Okay, so this is story time by Dolly. Okay, so... I had originally come, I was from Wisconsin. I came down to Arizona one winter, loved it, came back again. And then Mary had reached out to me on Instagram. and was like, hey, my friend Rachel, like, she really recommended you, love your work, we should sit and get coffee. And it was great, right? Because I didn't really know a ton of people in Arizona. So I thought, oh, cool, like friends, because it is hard to make friends as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not just going to class with people. It's not you may not be surrounded by people you grew up with. Like it's a little bit different of a ball game, right? And so, you know, Mary and I meet and we have breakfast. I think, did we go to Snooze? Oh no, we started at Starbucks. Yeah, so we started at Starbucks. And then remember when we went to sit down, there was a newspaper or something and some guy was like, oh, he, yeah, he yelled at us or called mm-hmm. you girl or kid or something. And that's when I knew... I, like you don't fuck with Mary. So this guy was very demeaning and how I can't remember exactly what he said, but he definitely was like, Oh, well, you can't sit there. But there was nobody sitting there. And it was a full cafe. This is pre COVID, by the way. And Mary was like, Well, you don't need to talk to me like that. And da 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 da. And I was like, Yes, this is the energy we fucking need. Fuck these uppity white old men. Get out of here over it so that's my new well also wait wait wait, a little bit of context you were also preparing for your ted talk i was Uh uh-huh tell us that little aside there because i feel like it's important uh okay wait no we have to okay so i was also getting ready for my ted talk i spoke it's called why your hey mister matters and i was speaking about um domestic abuse and speaking from my own experience, but then also speaking about, you know, if you see it, you should say something. So it's kind of a mix of those things. So then when Mary called that guy out, I was like, yes, like, that is what we need. Like, we need to have open dialogue. And you called him out in a strong, but also a very kind way, which is kind of what you were talking about with these people before, right? Like these people online who say things like, it's not mean if you're saying like, how you felt what it is, and then being strong in it. Like, it's mean if you're like, you're a fucking dick, go fuck yourself. <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, like that's different than being like, hey, don't talk to me like that, whatever. Anyway, so back to this. So we finally sit down, we're connecting. And then I go, well, you know, like, I'm really excited to work with you and meet you. But like, who's Rachel? And so then Mary goes into her um, DMs. And she's like, here, and you pulled up Rachel, I think. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't think I know Rachel. And then you're like, No, no, I know that she like, I know she said something about you. So you pull up like your messages with Rachel and you see all these. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see all these photographers that she recommended to you 
but none of them were me. So it was like, just so funny. So that was in 2018. But can I share another story related to yeah. so Mary and I, our stars in our have just like aligned in so many very interesting ways. So how we met was like, it seemed like such a weird, like, I don't even know how you would have found me. Because at that point, I wasn't tagging anything in Arizona. I was just like, hanging out. I don't know. I just don't know. The internet's great. But in so many ways, like we have so much in common, like we're both first gen American, we're both like these female entrepreneurs, we're both on this quest to be real. I mean, like, it's countless, right? But I always have felt like there is some just because of we're so spiritually connected and energetically connected. But I think the moment where I realized like, holy shit, there is obviously this girl is connected to me was I think it was two years later. I think it was two years later. You and I were sitting at a restaurant downtown Phoenix. And you know, we're doing our normal chit chat, whatevs. And you're like, hey, what were you doing a year ago today? We should like, let's go in our photos in our iPhones and look at the pictures that we took a year ago today. So I was like, Oh, okay, great. Or actually, no, this was into a year into knowing you, excuse me, not two years. So I opened my phone and you open yours. And I think you were you had some photos in Canada or something you had gone hiking. And I was like, Oh, yeah. And then I had a screenshot of this guy I had been dating. And it was a screenshot. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was I was like, what story are you telling oh, right oh, now? Bro, and now I know. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, you know the story. So it is the screenshot of this man. Sorry, I was trying to pick a word because I this guy. Well, sometimes he's not even a man. This dick. dick. This dick. <laughs> this dick guy. So dumb. <laughs> anyway, okay, so you guys probably feel where this is going. This guy. It was a screenshot of the last text that I had ever sent this guy. And it was this guy that I was dating the year before. And we were pretty serious. Like we were telling each other we love each other. We were making plans for the future. Like we weren't necessarily talking about getting married, but it was like, you know, very serious. Like, oh, maybe we should move in together. And with what I do for work, I'm a photographer. I'm a wedding photographer. And a majority of my clients at the time were in the Midwest. And so in the Midwest, like, you know, summer and fall, that be the time, be hopping, be popping for weddings. So it didn't really make sense for me to fly back and forth so much. So I was going to leave Phoenix, go to the Midwest for a couple months, you know, grind out my weddings. And then when I came back, I was supposed to move in with him. So then um, I'm all in love and whatever. And like, I remember the last time I FaceTimed with this guy, he was like, I I was doing this like photography workshop in France. And he was like, Oh, my God, baby, like, I love you so much. Like, I think I'm going to get us a dog. What do you think? Like, I bought a plane ticket. I'm going to come up to Wisconsin and see you in like two weeks. And I was so excited, right? Uh, Long story short, this motherfucker straight up ghosted me. Hardcore. I had no idea what happened to him. I blocked him on Facebook just because I, you know, at one point he like posted a meme of hating avocados this is like a month after ghosting me. I hadn't heard anything. I didn't know if he died. I, like nothing. And so I was like, fuck you. Oh, you have time to post about fucking how much you hate avocados, but you do not have time to heal my heart, which you like opened up and told me you loved me and then just like shit on it. You can go fuck yourself. So then I unfriended him. Boundary, right? Anyway, so then a year later, I had the screenshot that popped up. And I had his full name listed and I showed Mary and I'm like, yeah, this is the last thing. 
And your eyes, I remember your eyes, they were welled up with tears. And you look at me and you go, Dolly, I know that guy. And I had such a visceral reaction. Do you remember me getting up and I ran outside because I straight up thought I was going to throw yeah. up because I'm like, what the fuck? Are you serious? You're like, we need to go on a walk. We need to walk. Yeah. We need to talk. Like, this is weird. And so... Mary tells me how she knows him. And it is the weirdest, you guys, it is the weirdest thing because I remember him telling me about Mary. He never said her name, but it was a story, right? Of like, he met you, you were like really sad. You had just gotten into a fight with your mom. You were crying. And then he like said, how can I help you? Well, so, so just wanted to say I was his personal assistant. Yeah. He gave you a job, right? Yeah. And literally I was, well, crazy story because I was in Gilbert because I just dropped off my girlfriend and I lived like all the way up in North, North Scottsdale. So this is like an hour, like 45 minutes at least away. I'm in this Starbucks cafe because I needed Wi-Fi to look for a job because I had just stopped working at Outback Steakhouse and I moved to go to ASU and I was like really broke. And I think I was in the, I don't know if I was in the fight with my mom, but I was like very dramatically talking to my mom in Russian while job searching and just really stressed out. And he, his friend overheard my Russian and I think he like dated a Russian girl, knew it was Russian. They struck up a conversation with me and the guy we're talking about said, well, hey, I need an assistant. Do you need a job? And I said, yes. And I ended up working for him for like a year and got to know him really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like fast forward back to like this time where I'm like, holy shit, I cannot believe that you know him. And so anyway, it ended up being like this weird amount of closure for me, because like, I know that you I, I know you're not like super active friends with him where you're talking to him every day. But I know, you know, like you kind of know what's going on with him. And just, it was a weird kind of closure. But you guys seriously, it was just so weird. Because out of all the people, the millions of people like Phoenix, Arizona, is what is it like the fourth largest city in our country right now? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of fucking people in this city. And so the fact that I would become soul sisters with someone who knows this guy that completely broke my fucking heart in such a weird way. And that I would actually know a story of hers is it's just like, how does that happen? Right. But I remember you, the things that you had to say about him, which is not like you like, talked bad about him but just your perspective of things really gave me some closure but I was like oh my god like what what are the fucking chances what are the fucking chances no seriously and that's how it is every time we get together is that there's some sort of like magic synchronistic connection between like us and the people we know and things that happen and every time we hang out like something like really big and cool and wonderful happens and it's very serendipitous and I just know I totally get the feeling of like, just knowing that brought a little bit of healing because I know what it's like to have your heart broken, but not be able to explain how or why or what this person was like, you know? And I think that's why Stan and I are so close is because we're both Russian and he's the only person that I can explain my dad to. And my relationship with my dad is so complicated, like so intricate and manipulative. And he's the only person that really, really gets it partially because he speaks the language and like knows the culture. And so same thing when I told you about my ex, like the reason why it was so like, just heartbreaking open for me, it's because it wasn't like I just told somebody my breakup story. It was like, no, somebody actually like 
got it. Like that visceral feeling in your gut. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was super divine. Super divine. That moment. Super divine. Super divine. I can't believe I worked for them. <laughs> I can't believe either. No, I, not that you, he can present as a very nice person. And that's the thing about, I mean, I've actually had multiple ghostings happen to me, but maybe I should start my own podcast and talk about that. But um, yeah, it's just like this weird feeling, right? Or like, it's not like you go into a relationship thinking like, oh, this is totally going to go up in flames and I'm going to feel like a piece of shit for months. Like no one goes into a relationship thinking that and people don't present as that, right? Like you present your best self and things happen and that's not to excuse people that ghost or are not cool, but the human condition. Yeah. I remember telling you and being like, look, he, I won't lie. He was a good boss. Like can't complain. Um, nothing shady in that regard. But knowing what I know about him personally, I was like, Dolly, you dodged a bullet. And I say that with like my full heart and soul. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just nice when somebody really, really knows that and can really, really say that, you know? Yeah. And it ended up being you, which is so, so crazy. Like the me that was so heartbroken after he ghosted me, if he would have told me that I would randomly meet some girl from Instagram and like over a year later, she would be able to like give me closure that I would never end up getting from this guy. If you would have told me that when we were like in our heyday and we're, you know, taking vacations up the Monument Valley being like, Oh my God, I love you so much. Like, holding hands and hiking and being gross and shit like yeah I don't know I you just never know in life you just never know or like with you um writing your book right three years ago you know when we were sitting at Starbucks if you could know back then like oh my gosh you're gonna write this book and you're gonna have like four times the amount of followers you have and you're gonna accomplish like a podcast and you're gonna learn these life lessons you'd be like what you just never know and it's all I mean, I don't want to sound toxically positive, but like in a weird way, it all ends up being good, even if it doesn't feel good or like the process, you could feel like a total piece of shit, yeah. right? For a while, but in the end, things just kind of work out. Sometimes it just takes time and like mm-hmm. just hanging in there with a the nail. Yeah, for sure. And one thing, well, I wanted to answer that question about how to find friends. All my closest friends I found on the internet my other close friend, Ula, she DM'd me and then emailed me twice. And I didn't respond to her until one night I was feeling really, 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 really lonely and ended up accidentally finding her email and responding a month later. And we made plans for the next day. And we're still friends. This when I first moved back to Arizona. Making friends has always been really hard for me, like even in high school. But I'm grateful that I've always had a few solid friends. But I think for advice as to like making friends as an adult is don't be afraid to treat it like dating. I've definitely spent some time on Bumble BFF (laughs) trying to find friends. I've definitely DM'd random people and literally said, Hey, I would love to connect, meet up and have coffee. And granted, like I met you, I met Ula, that worked out. But there were also many friend dates that, I mean, we totally cool. It was a great little coffee date, but we're not best friends and that's okay too. So it's exactly like dating in that regard. And yeah, like not being afraid to my first conversation with Ula was something about Tinder. (laughs) I don't know, something like, really random and funny. Yeah, like, don't be afraid to kind of like, put yourself out there and share something you might not share normally, whatever you're comfortable with. 
But you might even want to think about what that is in advance. Think about like, what kind of person do you want to portray yourself as? And is there some kind of conversation starter or opener that you can go into it just to see if you and this person could potentially vibe like literally just like dating? I think that would be my biggest advice. Mm -hmm. Right? What about you? Me? Yeah, you, you're amazing at making friends. Oh, you have girl. friends all over the fucking world. You want to know why? All over the world. Because I'm so fucking nosy. And I pretend like I'm so nosy. And I should probably have more boundaries, but I don't because I'm so genuinely interested. Honestly, I think some of my, my friendship skills come from... So I grew up on this small little farm out in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. And I grew up with my grandma, my dad's mom. And she was really old when she raised me, like super old, but she was the coolest. Like she was just like the raddest human. But anyway, like how I grew up knowing people was like her way of knowing people, which back in like, you know, the twenties, thirties and forties, like all you had was each other. And so and it was a small community. So you just like struck up conversations with people just because that's what you did. That's how you got the news. That's how you developed relationships because you had to rely on each other. You never knew like, what if my plow isn't working? Like, do I have to make friends with Ed to like be able to ring him up or walk over to have him come and help us? You know, like it was, and I know that sounds really old school, but like, you know, now I'm this modern woman living in like a city and living my life and living business. But I find myself pulling the skills from just like looking at someone being like, oh, like, Hey, your hair is really cool. Like, that's great. And then just having that genuine interest of an entertainment of like, you know, learning something new, it just kind of opens up doors. Like I made a friend at the coffee shop the other day, we we're both sitting in front of this fireplace. And she's all like, man, I love this fire. And I said, girl, same, right? Like <laughs> this winter, you know, we just need to be comforted. And then yeah, you know, it just flows. Yeah, it just flows. And you're really amazing at asking people questions about shit they care about. You know, like if you see somebody's hair, you know, like obviously they have good hair because they care about their hair. So you're going to ask them about that. You're not going to pull the generic, how are you? Or like, what brought you to town? Or do you like working here? You know, random stuff like that. It's more like, you know how to pick out what somebody is really, really going to want to talk about. And you can like, you hang with that. You love that. And you really do uplift people. And I love that about you. Oh my God. Thank you. Do you feel like we answered that question? I think you just have to feel out what people seem like they're interested in. If you're in person with someone, you can kind of see what their eyes light up about. Or, you know, if you're on Instagram, if someone, you know, has a couple more sentences to write about something, that's another indicator that like, oh, that's something they care about. Um, Here's, an, here's another question for you. Yeah. Oh, side note, I pushed back my four o'clock. So we have still like 30 more minutes. Can we just keep going? Because I'm loving this. Yes. Yep. We can go for a little bit longer. I do have to get ready for a dinner. <laughs> Gone to a dinner. A business um, dinner. Like a business, business woman. <laughs> Girl, if you would have told me um, the dolly from like, because what is this? This is 2001. So like maybe 20, let's say 2008. 2008. I mean, 2008. 20, 2007, 2008 when I was so fucking broke and homeless living in a stairwell out of my 94 geo prism broke as fuck, like a negative bank account. If you would have told me that I would be like living in this high rise, downtown Minneapolis, 
having meetings and pretending like I'm Oprah with my best friend who's very successful and then getting ready for like a swank business dinner. If you would have been making literally making um, like 10 times the amount of what I was making working three jobs as a barista, home health care aide, and like, well, I was like a home health care aide for two different places. If you would have told me that then, I probably would have passed out and laughed at you. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, no, there's no way. I wanted to say this when we were talking about like writing my book and I wanted to do it for a while and career and that kind of stuff is one thing that I've always really carried with me and reminded myself of is that people generally, this is just how our brains are, people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in five. So we tend to have all these like big New Year's goals and like all these things. And we get disappointed when we don't reach all of them. But then in five years, we completely underestimate like we don't have that kind of long perception of time to really recognize like how much we can accomplish in a very short in a relatively short amount of time. It may not be one year, but when you go to like two, three, four, five, like your life can look totally different and it will look totally different. Right. I think part of it is the American society. You know, like we want everything now and maybe that's a world society now, but like through technology and you know, even Amazon, right? It's like two day delivery. If we don't get it in less than two days and it's bullshit or like um, instantaneous <laughs> yeah. like messaging, like I texted you at 3 a.m. and your writer seats are on and I know you saw it. You, your ass better get back to me. Like we want everything <laughs> now. I just, hey, oh. Yeah. Um, you know, not me checking back to see if the person saw it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, here's a light question for you. Where do you, on what part of your body do you sweat the most? Mm. <laughs> I am definitely like a mad crotch sweater. Same. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the chair I have or the pants I wear, but that's, yeah, that's the most. It's because you got that juicy <laughs> booty. So, you know, the insulation keeps that, you know, booty juice heat. I don't know. Gotta stay warm when you're from Mother Russia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. My tropical butt cannot handle that. Um, no, I can though. Uh, I also have butt sweat, so I relate. I have friends that also have um, swoob, boob sweat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. I think. I know you and I are not into bras, but that might be the one redeeming factor of wearing certain bras is it soaks up your swoob. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. It soaks up the swoob. I do have these little bralettes and I, if I'm not wearing a bra, I'll like tuck my shirt under. So that way the sweat goes into the shirt instead of like on my skin and then for my skin to like rub together. But I also wanted to say that I, I don't know if, my armpits sweat more or if I just feel it more. But a few years ago, before I understood how natural and normal and harmless and sexy body hair could be, I got my armpits lasered. So I don't have that much hair under my arms. Not to mention I'm a Jewish girl with very thick, dark hair that I've always been really insecure about. But that's another story. And yeah, so I don't know. Girl, do you know people pay to have that? Just so you what? know, people pay to have hair. People pay to have like their Girl, for real. Yes. Like on their head or elsewhere? Everywhere. They'll buy vitamins. They'll get crotch wigs. They'll get, you know, like um, facial tattoos. So it looks thicker and what? darker. Yeah. 
I didn't know that. That's cool. Well, yeah. So I have, um, yeah, I feel like I just feel my sweat a little bit more in my armpits ever since getting lasered, which again, just shows the, the functionality of body hair is that it actually does serve a purpose <laughs> and it's actually good for you. Okay. I'm going to get so real, real right now. Tell me. So what you just said, mm-hmm. I relate to that, but I relate to that down by my cuchara mm-hmm. because I get it. Um, I get Brazilians. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, like I'm a thick girl. I'm a thick girl, which is great. <laughs> but like, you know, there's sweat down there. Yeah. But do you feel like it sweats more when you get a Brazilian? I feel like I feel it more. Yeah, I feel it more too. Like I feel it dripping because it's like dripping down my skin and my hair is not there to capture it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's listening is either like really vibing with this and is like, yeah, this is like what I needed to hear so I don't feel alone. Or people are going to be like, the fuck these bitches talking about? And like, I know. waiting for the next episode. They're like, I thought we were going to talk about like body image and self-love, but I guess it is. Yeah, you just have to love your sweat. I just like, I know that sometimes with sweat, I have hyperdriosis in my left armpit. Wait, is that what it sounds like? Like very dry? Well, hyperdriosis is actually when it's like you super produce um, sweat in certain parts of your body. So I have mine Mm -hmm. in my left armpit, not my right. So like when I get (laughs) in nervous situations... And let's say I'm wearing like a heather gray turtleneck and I'm like doo, 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 walking around. I will have sweat all the way down to my fucking waist on my just on my left pit, not even on my right. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like that sometimes. And <laughs> I'd be like, that. Well, what are you going to do about it? I mean, yeah, I feel like the only maybe positive thing I took away from gym culture is I'm not that ashamed of my sweat. I think if I'm sweating, I'm just like whatever people perspire like it's just a thing who cares <laughs> um do you ever miss gym culture is there anything you miss um or like wait before you answer that when i asked you that can you define one what you will define gym culture as so people have context and then tell me if there is anything you miss or don't miss about it mm, well gym culture is i think a lot of gym culture intersects with fitness culture in general but it's like that you know, I'm going to hustle and grind and go to the gym first thing in the morning, have my coffee, pump myself up, lift weights, cardio, that kind of stuff. You know, you start to build a community at the gym, make friends, it becomes a social thing as much as it is a, you know, personal health thing. And I think those can all be very positive things. And we actually they just built a big, really pretty gym near us. And we're planning on signing up post pandemic, because I am really excited to have someplace to go and something to do and hopefully meeting more people in the community. So that's great. But what I define as gym culture is, I don't know, the voice that I always hear in my head is like, oh, bro, like, you know, cardio. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all know. We got this new like supplement, man. I'm like really feeling it right now. Yeah, right. Sun's out, guns out, thighs out, or skies out, thighs out. Exactly. Well, it's almost like people wear it like a badge of honor, just like American society wears busy as a badge of honor. I feel like people wear like fitness and being fit as this like moral obligation and like moral achievement when it really doesn't have to be that big of a deal. And I think we would all be so much more at peace if it was just like 
yeah, I love to get in my movement and I like to take care of my body and do it in a way that feels good to me. But the gym culture that I think of is when everybody's arguing about what the best way to eat is and the best way to work out. And I remember like the gym culture I experienced is my girlfriends and I being like, yeah, I just got my diet cut to half a trigger warning on this, sharing some numbers regards to food. You can skip by like a minute. But I remember my girlfriends being like, yeah, I just got my diet cut down by half a cup. Like now, instead of a three quarters cup of rice, I can only have one quarter cup of rice. Like, but you know, got to do what you got to do, like build that booty. And then, you know, then somebody also chime in and be like, oh, you're so lucky that you can have a cheat meal. You know, my coach cut out my cheat meal. I can't have that. My body thrives on carbs. My body thrives on fats. And it's just like, there's this whole culture around it. And I think it is ridiculous and toxic and not to mention boring. Like it just bores me to death at this point. I don't know what I found so stimulating about it, but there is not much intellectually stimulating about it to me at this point in my life. So yeah. Was there any positives from it? I do really like the feeling of like driving at sunrise or sunset with like a cup of coffee in hand and like being with yourself and going to do something for yourself um, and spending that time with like your headphones in and listening to music you like or like a podcast. I do love sweating endorphins. I've always been really active. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff I do like about it. But I think that can exist also outside of gym culture. Mm. So yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go back to boyfriend. Oh my gosh, I don't know if you're going to hate me for asking this, (laughs) but I'm going to do it because I think you have some followers that like the dish. Mm -hmm. like the dish. We'll spill the tea. They don't call me Mary's cup of tea for nothing. (laughs) When you're getting hitched. Is hitched like married? What is hitched? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hopefully soon. Boyfriend's in the other room, so I'm going to lower my voice a little. He's been acting mad suspicious lately. <laughs> Ooh, pretty sus. Has he been sus? I just learned that word. He's been sus. Ooh. You taught me that word a couple days ago. Ah! New favorite word. New fave word. Um, yeah, like we will, for, of course, we're waiting patiently, eagerly for the pandemonium to be over. But also they just announced that the vaccine will be available in our state. So he's like really been trying to convince me to go somewhere on vacation and I'm like babe we just built a van together you know I want to travel in the van and make the most out of it he's like yeah but we can squeeze in a trip blah 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 and the reason why I think he's saying that is because I told him that I don't care how you propose to me as long as it's not in Arizona not because I don't love living in Arizona, but because I've been here my whole life and I just want a more interesting story to tell. So he'd been trying to get me out of the state. <laughs> and yeah, but I've definitely been like sending my friends like certain rings and whatever. So hopefully soon, you know, he's older than me. Mm, I didn't see no ring. I mean, you're going to have to slide in the DM. <laughs> also, I have some stuff to send you that you're going to have to nonchalantly forward to him and be like this is what mary likes yeah can you please mention to him that i would prefer ethically sourced diamonds and ones that support a small business okay (laughs) like none of this k jewelers stuff nope 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think he would. He's the one that was like really big on supporting his mom. But yeah, hopefully soon he's a little older. So he's definitely like ready to do the whole marriage and kids thing. And I'm not opposed to it. I've always wanted to be a young mom or kind of assumed I would be just because the people I've dated have been a little bit older. But also I'm a firm believer in like not giving up your life for your kids. So I know like the first few years, like before they go to school, like of course, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a pause where you prioritize your kids. But I've seen so many families like still travel and still pursue their careers and, you know, do it in a balanced way. And I firmly believe that that's possible. So I think the narrative we're taught is like, live your life and then have kids. And I try not to subscribe to that. The belief that I want to subscribe to is more like, you know, kids will be a big part of your life. And of course, you're, it'll permanently change. But I hope that our relationship is strong enough that we can still pursue our individuality at the same time. So just my thoughts on it, probably my ignorant thoughts on it, given that I'm not a mom. And maybe some moms listening to this are like chuckling and being like, look at this naive girl. But just something I really want to experience for myself. So yeah, I am more or less ready. I've done a lot of work in therapy to work through my scary beliefs about marriage and potential divorce and committed partnership. And Dolly, you, you know, you and I have talked for hours about that. Literal hours. Literal hours. It's not just like we talked about. Yeah. Like hours. Yeah. Because it's such a big, like emotionally charged thing for me. And you've been, can I say this? You've been married. No, we can't actually, you know, it's really interesting. This year was my, um, uh, nine year divorce, divorce anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Divorcery. How do you feel? Divorcery. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels, it feels, honestly, it feels like such a lifetime ago. I was such a different person, you know, and my former husband and I, I, we're not like, we're not best friends. And honestly, I haven't seen him in years, but you know, I have to honor the fact that at the time, like there was something that, you know, I did love about him and he was part of my journey and he's not a part of it any longer, but you know, he was a part of my life and I have to be thankful for that. But yeah, no, it just seems weird because I've been uh, single or like not married for so long in my life now that I've known for a while did not know me then. So then, you know, like there's even some people that don't know that about me. Not like I'm hiding it, but it's so not a part of my life that I don't even think about it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't think about it. It is definitely a strange thought to me that I know yeah. well especially after all my ghosting stories it's like whoa wait what uh girl I just yeah I, I you deserve like only the very best and I hope well I know you're not settling I know that about you but I just I don't know I see so much in you as not just my best friend but as a human and I literally admire you and would give you a foot massage if you asked kind of thing and I just hope that if you ever do, or when you find committed partnership, that it is just nothing but like, king vibes, like who treats you like a queen. Because yeah, literally out of all people, like I, everybody deserves the best, but like, I'm a little biased, but I feel like you deserve the bestest best. So. <laughs> <laughs> emoji crying emoji. Oh, um, we don't I use would, that anymore. That's like a millennial thing. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I would let you give me a foot massage if I didn't have a foot phobia, but you have a foot <laughs> phobia like from your own feet? Like, like 
Uh, maybe it's not a full-on phobia. Like, if someone's wearing, you know, uh, Birkenstocks or whatever, like, I'm not going to be hating on people, but, <laughs> like, if... You know I wear Birkenstocks all the time. Yeah, I know. I do, too. I wear, like, off-brand Birkenstocks, but if someone's got some nasty toes up in this area by my face or... Heaven forbid I match online with some dude who low key is like, oh, I really want to put, I want to kiss your tootsies or put your foot in my mouth. <laughs> That's a no for me, bro. Oh my gosh. That's a no for me. I slept with a guy who low key had a foot fetish, but in a very particular way that didn't gross me out. And I actually found it kind of hot. So he just needed my feet to touch him during sex. Like, not his face. He didn't have to, like, fondle them or like kiss them or whatever but like yeah. you know when you're like on top like he needed my knees my legs to be bent in such a way that my feet were also on him instead of just oh, being on the bed okay. and I thought it was just like hot and different and I, I I always think it's cool when somebody's little fetish or quirk is something that you don't usually like about yourself because I don't know I just feel like it makes you feel like a bad bitch <laughs> yeah I mean that's and that's and that's cool and and I'm so sorry. So I'm not used to speaking publicly like this on podcasts. So I guess if there is someone that likes feet, listen, that's okay. I'm not trying to say that there's something wrong with you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for Dolly Dearly, she does not like feet. But if you like feet, that's cool. I appreciate that for you. And you should, you know, live your life in such a way that you can choose yourself and choose people that enjoy feet. Like I, there's so much love for that. I just cannot do that. <laughs> You're hilarious. And on that note, maybe this is the end of this episode. <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to me and Dolly talking about foot fetishes. And what was that we talked about? Um, and uh, Swoob. Your book. Oh, Swoob and your book. Yeah. <laughs> Swoob and my book. Foot fetishes, Swoob and the gift of self-love. <laughs> that could be your um, sequel like the book sequel yeah like oh, okay. um, fetishes swoob and self-love um what i learned post book writing or something uh-huh. maybe that'll maybe we'll start on making that the title of this podcast episode <laughs> before i send <laughs> out a book proposal to blue star press and get fired <laughs> um i am so sorry if i get you fired um but you know my favorite murder is a great podcast sorry i've plug them on here but they name their episodes really interesting things from the episodes so then when people look at it they're like oh my gosh like wow what's that about Ooh. well we're gonna do that perfect <laughs> you're perfect thanks for letting me have my oprah moment i feel so hashtag blessed mm, i love you so much thank you for doing this it was so great i hope that our listeners enjoyed this conversation if you did give us a little shout shout on the instagram you can just screenshot you listening to this episode also dolls i don't know if you know this but if you go on the gif gif thing on instagram and put at Mary's cup of tea with one A. So just like at Mary's cup of tea, all the doodles from my book will pop up as gifs. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. So now (laughs) you're like, what do I say? Now, wait, 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 wait. Can you do a video of it? I'm such a, I'm just technologically challenged sometimes. Can you post a video of how to do that? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You just go to the sticker thing and search at Mary's Platy and you can like 
decorate your stories, which you can also do when you get the book. I would love that. Um, take a little selfie. And yeah, anytime you're listening to the podcast and you need some like cute self love giffies, jiffies, whatever they're called, stickers, those are up and totally on brand. I may or may not have spent like three hours making that happen, but I think it was so worth it. So anyways, I love you all. I love you dolls. Thank you for doing this. I love you too, Mary. It was my pleasure. And we'll see y'all soon. Bye. Bye. I wrote a book. Yes, a real life actual book that will be available in stores and online on March 23rd, 2021. It's called The Gift of Self-Love and it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. You can pre-order the book now by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and it'll be delivered to you on March 23rd, which is the official publication date. So depending on where you order from, it should arrive somewhere around that time. I have been working on this book for over a year, compiling everything that I've learned and everything I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is that this book is a combination of not only me sharing my journey, but also it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So there are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, go pre-order it now by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. And by pre-ordering, you'll also get free access to my next online retreat. So this is my way of saying thank you so much for your early support on this book. And I can't wait to see you, hang out with you, and do a workshop together at my next online retreat. So you can find all the pre-order links to order the book and all the information for the online retreat at maryscupoftea.com book. I'm certain that the tools that I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, maryscopatee.com slash book. Go pre-order it today and give yourself the gift of self-love.